We don't have to stand here and listen to this. Carol! To this... What? To this bullshit. That's it. Come on, we're done. Let's go. We're not. Not until this one lowers her eyes to my feet. You should fear me. I don't. I look at you and I feel nothing at all. Is that right? Blonde boy, he screamed your name just before we took his head. Heads welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm Rima, and this is the Walking Dead cast episode 375. Kind of a milestone. We, we just got back <laughs> from walk. Well, 375. I don't know. We just got okay. back from Walker Stalker Atlanta, which, at least for us, was a ton of fun. Yeah, had a <laughs> apparently good <time>. not everyone. <laughs> nope, I had a blast. Um, <laughs> This episode is made possible by Patreon supporters like Alex Baelish, who've pledged their support at patreon.com slash Jason and Karen. So thank you, Alex. Yay, Alex. He's really active in the group and fun. And um, we're going to have a call-in show uh, in a couple days on Thursday the 24th to talk about Walker Stalker Con highlights and behind-the-scenes stuff and all that, plus you know a few other things that we talk about on those calls. Also, we'll have a Jason and Karen show recording this Friday. We'll be talking about Zombieland Double Tap, which I have not seen yet, but I plan on seeing probably tomorrow. I'm excited. Yeah. Seems I like know, the reviews really... are not like the best, but they're they're okay. I haven't read a ton of reviews, just a few uh, non-spoilery uh, mm-hmm. comments that it, it didn't quite live up to the original, which many sequels don't. But I mean, I know a group of our um, Zeds that, we're in Atlanta this weekend and saw it on Friday night and they enjoyed it. So. They all liked it. Yeah, they all liked it and enjoyed it. So I said, well, that's enough for me. Um, we're doing our annual free November next month where anyone, I'm just giving all the Patreon um, announcements right now. So anyone who wants to be a part of our Zed Head Facebook group for free for a month, you'll be able to do that in November if you want. I'll have more information on how you can let me know if you want to do that soon. It's pretty fun. Sign up. It's November's it's fun. fun too to yeah have some new people in there, mm-hmm. and I think that's it. So let's get going. Attention shoppers, Deadcast top five in five, four, three, two. Okay, it's a Deadcast top five this week. It's our top five highlights for Walking Dead season ten episode three ghosts which is a great title because there's a lot of hallucinations but it's also kind of like things from carol's past and stuff like that yeah some haunting going on maybe some actual ghosts yeah we don't we don't really know so what do you think of it i loved it 
I thought it was a great episode. Uh-huh. I thought it was really well written. I thought the pacing was great. Um, it was scary. So I love that. Um, a lot of great dialogue, cinematography, lots of things were Everything. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it was great. So. You saw it at Walker Stalker in a big giant theater, which is a super fun thing to do. If you ever get to Walker Stalker Atlanta, you can go Sunday night and watch it with a hundred or more other people, other fans. And if you talk, you'll get shushed. So it's yes. really fun. <laughs> it's fun to be with people who respect it, but there's a big crowd so that you can get the whole reaction and everything. Right. How yes. was it? I didn't get to go cause I was cleaning up, but was it yeah, fun to watch still... it with all the people or like screaming during the jump scares and stuff? Yeah, it was, it was great when there was, you know, a, a funny response or a funny line, uh, like during the the Negan and Aaron interaction, yeah. you know, there was some laughter, and um, then you know, like, you know, Carol's confrontation with with Alpha, you know, everybody was kind of given like, yeah, hell yeah, Carol, um, and then really quiet when you're supposed to be quiet. So it's really fun in a group watching it with people who love it as much as you do. So I I loved it. I thought it was, I mean, you guys know me well enough to know that I wish walking dead would be more like a horror movie. And this was more like a horror movie yeah. And in a lot of ways and the creepiness and the um, scariness and uneasiness and tension. And it was packed full of stuff, but it didn't feel rushed. And I don't know. I just lied a lot of great. It was funny. Like you said in parts and I was a little confused about some things, but overall, I was just thoroughly entertained and delighted. And I think, you know, they're, they're making a concerted effort to be like, hey, this is a zombie movie. Let's a zombie show. Let's make it scary. And it's like, wow, it took yes. you 10 years to think of that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I'm glad you finally did. <laughs> yeah. It's a one way to keep the show fresh. Like, I'm down for it right now. This is great. Oh, totally. More. I want well, more. I think that they have done a little bit more of that. What was it last season? And yeah, I, they I, have I hate to praise for sure. Yeah, they they have like the episode. I'm pretty sure it was last season, and I don't love the episode for this, but I loved it because it also had the scare factor. It it legit scared me. Was the episode um, where Jesus died in the cemetery yeah. when the walker when or sorry not walkers, I mean the yeah whispers and the walkers yeah that's came in. That Angela was a really King, scary episode. But yeah, yeah, I feel like they've paid more attention to that with her coming in. I think maybe that was one of yeah. her goals. Who knows? And it has been scary at times over the past but this felt more like they really have a a mastery or or, you know they're they're good at the kind of things that great horror movie directors know how to scare you you know like they're really Mm -hmm. paying attention to that kind of stuff whereas a lot of times before um they're just not as good at it as horror movies are and i watched on the plane coming back here happy death day which Mm -hmm. uh was really cute and fun but um this episode was scarier than that movie, which is pretty cool. <laughs> that is cool. Okay. What's your number five? My number five. I just wanted to talk, start at the beginning and talk about the cold open where they're like kind of time skipping through the hours. Uh, you know, we see the first hour and then, you know, it continues into three hours and just goes up until like, I think it was like what, 49, 48, 49 hours or something like that total. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked it. With each little time that we got and you got like a, a sketch or a scene within that time frame, you know, how progressively you could tell what was happening. You knew what was happening. You could tell, you know, just by either the actors' faces, by things that they were saying, you know, um, how long. It really felt like that even though they put this in a short amount of time in the cold open, it, you could almost feel like it 
it really was this long for you. You could kind of feel, you know, how fatigued our group was um, over being up for so long, fatigued at fighting so many walkers for so long. You could actually follow what was happening. And, you know, it's like whatever or whoever's doing this, you know, we, we they're, they're accusing Alpha, but of course, Lydia's like, no, it's not her. She wouldn't do this. And um, Alpha doesn't claim to be doing it. But it's definitely like really like the psychological warfare is what it reminds me of that's it's happening to our group you know that they keep sending walkers in waves and you never get to any you know you never get to rest or sleep um kind of a way of keeping you weak it's like with attacked. the freddy movies almost the it for people who don't know freddy attacks you in your dreams and so that when the characters figure that out they just never want to go to sleep and and because of that uh, over the course of the movie they just look more and more tired and they're more jumpy and edgy and at each other's throats and it's Mm -hmm. just like a pressure cooker situation and so yeah just in the first couple minutes of this episode they were able to kind of give that same feeling because i like how at first when they're killing a couple zombies and it's that girl laura and one of the other young guys and Mm -hmm. they kill him and then he's like playing around like Bruce Lee whoa, with his staff <laughs> and I love that first because it reminds me back when Rick first got the guts out of the one zombie and it was he was all som- somber about it and I want to remember that this used to be a person and that kind of reverence didn't last long of course because you're in the zombie apocalypse and you just got to think of them as animals or or not even animals but just nothing you know and threats and so but now it's to the point where they'll kill one and then they just kind of joke around because they're so used to it but it was also just to let us know that they're really fresh right now they're having fun and then within the course of just a couple minutes that spanned 49 hours they're just fucking raked over the coals by this whole thing yeah it's definitely sequence it does. And I, I couldn't help as I'm sitting there thinking about how well done that was and how well it was paced out and, and how well the pacing has been, um, even just for the first few seasons of this um, season, but also last season. Um, I was thinking if this was like two to three seasons ago, that open would have taken an entire season. So it was, <laughs> it was yeah. nice More and more <laughs> waves and waves. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're quicker. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's nice. interesting because we're having, I don't know, the whispers came halfway through last season, I guess. And um, now, well, I guess so. We've only had them for a half a season, um, but they don't feel old at all to me. But there is just Mm-mm. something about more stuff happening in a shorter period of time in each episode, I guess, that makes it feel yeah. faster and not doesn't drag. Yep. I'm mm. I'm happy and content with it so far. So my number five is along those lines. It's just the great energy to the episode Um, that the stuff we've been talking about is there was just this rising tension over the the episode with that cold open and even the music. Uh, Barry McCreary does the music and the music has been feeling more Battlestar Galactica like to me. It's more focused and uh like I don't know it feels like something's happening mm-hmm. with the music and the storyline too and the whispers kind of remind me of these guys Cylons like they could be even more like that if if the whispers start infiltrating or something like they did before but um, yeah. then the tension in the town meeting where people were like we should cut off put their heads on spikes yeah and they're just pissed right <laughs> and I could totally see that you know they were like mm-hmm. let's fight back this is bullshit you know and uh, especially people who've lived through the saviors and don't want to 
be under anyone's thumb again. And that scene felt like the comics to me because there's a lot of people arguing with Rick when he's in charge of Alexandria. Like, come on, why don't we do something? And it brought me back to that. But the Michonne insists that they listen to Alpha and she just wants to talk and that we'll all come out on top if we act as one, which feels like a political infight against like, no, don't let's not fight amongst ourselves. So that's sort of like what this country's going through right now. We would be better mm-hmm. if we all work together. And then uh, as far as rising tension goes, Sadiq's PTSD flashbacks and his twitchiness as he's getting ready to remove this shard from Carol, it just fits right in with the uneasiness of the rest of the episode. And uh, yeah. when Dante's like, you're not fine. I, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want my surgeon like snorting and twitching like that either. <laughs> right before he's about to... No, don't want my surgeon to have a bad day while he's going to be cutting me <laughs> just, open. Just hold still. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the best part, though, for me of the energy of, of the episode was was the creepiness with Carol's hallucinations in particular where she's seeing things and not sure. And she sees Henry through that glass door going, mom, mom. And then all of a sudden you see this like figure with a knife and then it snaps to something else. That was like the big jump scare. And then of course I love that the book cover that she imagined. It was like this home ec book, but she sees herself at this dining room table with a stack of pancakes. And there's Lizzie, Mika, Henry, Sam, and Sophia, all her like, real and adopted mm-hmm. children all with their throat slit sitting at the table. <laughs> yeah. Or at least children um, that she's responsible for the deaths of some of that them. too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she kind of was their caretakers, maybe Sam least of all, but still he, yeah, he seemed Sam to go to her one. and want yeah. her to be a mom figure and she kind of refused, but yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, is she responsible? I mean, Lizzie killed Mika. I guess she could have tried to prevent that. Henry. I don't, I don't think she's really responsible for Henry. Henry's death. I don't think she's responsible for Henry's death. Just that it's either they're her children, such as Henry and Sophia, um, Lizzie and Mika, she kind of looked after and took on, you know, a little bit of a motherly role, I think while they were in prison. Um, I'd say Lizzie and and Mika were her children just as much as Henry. Yeah. And then Sam, I I felt she had I mean I know that he went to her a lot but I I feel she just by the fact of how bad she freaked him out you know about tying him to a tree and yeah. letting, <laughs> letting him get eaten by water she may be sort of responsible <laughs> for his death yeah it was slightly traumatizing to that kid because he was never quite Hell the same yeah. after that <laughs> who would be yeah man yeah well you got to experiment and try different parenting styles that one didn't work <laughs> on to the next yeah, I'll try to be nice <laughs> live and <time>. learn. <laughs> Uh, there were plenty of other creepy moments, but um, are there any that stand out to you that I didn't mention? I mean, just the, her hanging upside down with the Zeds th- coming in. That was awesome. Yeah. And that's actually my number four is the, the scary it. theme, mm-hmm. um, which which you've covered a lot of those scary moments, you know, and, and just the fact that a lot of what happens in this episode is in the dark. You know, the dark mm-hmm. is typically yeah. more scary. You know, people, you're afraid of the dark. What, what's coming, you know, around the corner, what's creeping out of the, the shadows and through mm-hmm. the trees. And, you know, so a lot of it takes place in the dark and, and you're outside. So to me, that's even scarier. Like, I hate being like outside in the woods and camping or something in the dark like that. And, and you see shadows, you hear things, you hear something, you know, twitching 
you know, the leaves or, or stepping on a twig or something like that. It's, it's just creepy. And I'm just always waiting for, you know, someone to come out and, and murder me. Um, <laughs> maybe even a walker to eat me. I don't know. Um, so so I loved that. I loved the, the dark element. And once I was actually able to see it, like you mentioned, I was watching it originally um, on the screen at, at Walker Stalker. And um, it, it was a little bit dark. So it was kind of difficult. Sometimes whenever it was really dark, you couldn't even hardly make out shapes and shadows. So it was really kind of difficult to actually kind of see what was happening on my, whenever I got home and watched it again I was able to see a little bit more clearly so I think that was almost even more scary uh, for me so I liked all of that love the dark I love the ambiguity of the hallucinations like you said didn't know what was real mm-hmm. um, and what wasn't that was scary because I, I have this fear of like losing control and you know if, if you're not able to tell what's real and what's not to me that is really scary yeah, so thinking of you lose you know, your footing your grounding and I, I yeah. especially liked how I think she saw some things that were kind of scary that turned out not to be real. Maybe the, the book cover, I, I think that came first. And then she um, had that sort of mundane conversation with Daryl. So you mm-hmm. have no reason to think that that's not real. Although going back, it's interesting because in that conversation, Daryl's telling her a story of his truck driving dad who imagined a girl and it wasn't real and he stood mm-hmm. because he stayed he stayed awake too long it's kind of cool that the conversation about his dad's hallucination was itself a hallucination but anyway my point is that when you then realize that's not real it's like oh shit i can't trust anything now <laughs> exactly yeah it was and it was hard it was to like tell cool it, it's like yeah it was a really cool feeling so it kind of puts you in the same same position as you know daryl and michonne and she's like well do you believe me and you're just kind of like eh, i don't know yeah. if I and she didn't it was funny because she's like do you believe me and yeah he goes yeah but you're not sure if he's just trying to be comforting to her and then she has a look on her face like she's not sure if she believes herself either yeah I don't know that she knows what to believe um, because mm-hmm. I think she knows that, that that what she was seeing was she couldn't trust it. But I feel like it. I'm missing something because that was about the three whispers that she was chasing after. Right. Mm-hmm. And they had just confronted the whispers and the whispers asserted that they were going to take more territory. And then they you know left and then she saw the, or thought she saw three whispers in the woods and she shot at them and started chasing them. And then um, I, I think. I feel like I'm not getting something about why that's important. Like, why does it really matter all that much whether she hallucinated these three whispers? Is it because then we would know for sure that they were roaming around on the wrong side of their territory or, you know what I mean? And then at the end, Mm -hmm. I think the reason why they zoomed in and showed the one whisper in the basketball um, court waking up turned i guess as a zombie was to show that oh carol actually did see them and to me that meant oh you know what um we didn't talk about this yet or too much but i I, that meant oh yeah they were also bullshitting about not sending those zombies and that was a lie too you know that because you're not like you said you're not sure what's real in this episode and one thing we're not sure whether it's real is whether those waves of zombies were coming in because of the satellite or because Alpha sent them in. And and the fact that Lydia said she doesn't think Alpha did it, I trust her now. So Mm -hmm. I kind of believed, oh, maybe Alpha didn't. Well, I'm not sure what to believe. But then when that zombie woke up at the end, uh, the whisper zombie, um, which if you see that zombie, you might think, oh, it's a whisper, but it's actually a zombie. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> now, now, yeah, now it's a zombie in a, in a whisper mask. But 
seeing that made me feel like, okay, now I think that the, that gamma and alpha were bullshitting and that they did send all those zombies in, like you said, for psychological warfare. Yeah. I, I mean, I believe Lydia, I, I believe that she believes that, but I also yeah. think that they're they're kind of messing with her. Because did, did you see Alpha smile when when you know when they were meeting at the border, and she's like, "You better run. You're on my land now." And so they all take off running, and she kind of smiles. It's like she's it's it's like they're she's totally up, yeah, they're totally screwing with him. It's like she's up to something yeah. and she knows. And I mean, um, it is a question like why like Lydia. What Lydia says is. If she wanted to kill us or you, she would send the whole horde in. And Daryl says it's tens of thousands of zombies in the horde. And so then that makes me ask, okay, well, why hasn't she done that? Why And why did she not kill uh, Carol after Carol? I mean, Carol would have killed Alpha if Michonne didn't push her arm out of the way. So why didn't Alpha kill her then and kill all seven of them? And 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 Lydia says if she wanted to kill you, she would send the whole horde in. Well, yeah, then why doesn't she do that? And the only reason I can think of, and I, this may be a stretch, is, you know, we've seen that Alpha is sort of like a cult leader and she needs to keep all her people mm-hmm. uh, as devout followers. So maybe she they need to have an enemy to work against to to do that, you know, to keep them uh, striving for something. So if they just wipe Maybe. them out, then they won't, they won't have that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that makes Either sense. That or it's a plot hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well, I'm hoping not for that because Angela King's yeah. done a really great job. I think so far kind of managing all the stories and telling them, you know, really nicely, um, at least for me. Um, but I think that totally makes sense. Um, and mm-hmm. I like, I like that explanation. I, I, I do think she's messing with them and she's trying yeah, to raise the tensions and shake them Which is them great. Up. It, it's fun for the episode. It's, it's a good dynamic yeah. for a horror show. But another thing I thought of is, you know, Alpha, I am pretty sure just said, at, you know, when we first met her, this is my territory. You can't cross these lines. And now in this episode, we see, okay, my punishment, I know you crossed over into my territory three times, but I will take context into account and not Mm -hmm. kill you. But what I'll do as punishment is extend our territory, which ends up being in their hunting grounds. But I'm sort of like, well, you didn't give them any say in it in the first place. So you could have just taken that extended territory from the very beginning you know i mean maybe she wouldn't do that because if it's the hunting grounds then they might be more likely to fight back or something but i'm just like it's a little arbitrary like if she's just taking what she wants anyway then why not just take it all and and that also goes back to well maybe they just need to have an enemy to fight against so she can keep her people in line or something i think this is just adding to what because i if you do believe, and I, I'm definitely leaning towards that she is sending these waves of walkers to mess with Me them, too. that this is another step. You know, now I'm taking control and extending my border over your hunting grounds. So that's just going to raise the tensions even higher. She's looking, I think, for a fight that she's yeah. just maybe going she just to enjoys fucking with people. She like might. a cat playing with her toy. You know, the cat doesn't always kill the mouse right away. <laughs> I, I I think she does at this point. I mean, I don't know. It, it I could be totally off. I don't know that. I, I know little pieces of, of the comic this far. I haven't gotten that far yet. So I don't know any um, inside information or, or what happens in the comic with the every single um, piece of that. But at this point, that's that's where I'm at. I, I just think she's totally messing with them and trying to raise mm-hmm. that tension. Because I, I think she thoroughly enjoyed messing with Carol 
Um, I think she purposely sent those three walkers out after Carol. I don't know if she wanted to just, you know, mess with her even more because she's the one that that spoke out and stood up to Alpha and she didn't like that. And she was maybe they're like, go take her out and just eliminate her and make it look like an accident. Because, you know, if there's walkers around, it, it'll look like the walkers did it, not, you know, the whispers um, or if it's just to increase that tension mm. and to and to kind of I drive mean, her over the edge and also it creates tension in the group it creates tension with all of our she could people. just kill them all though but yeah she wants she she's could. not she's not doing that and either hopefully there's a good reason in the show for it but that moment confused me a little bit too because carol gets caught in this trap where she's hanging upside down and a whisper comes up to her and it was great because she's slashing at him and or her and i think it was a him and he's just like backing away a little bit that was a fun moment and then Mm -hmm. and scary and then the zombies come in and you see it from her upside down point of view then she cuts herself down and then we don't really see we see her start to kill him but then by the time daryl gets there she's killed them all but there was something weird with the camera there where it made me wonder if we're supposed to wonder whether she was even caught in a trap or whether she hallucinated that you know i'm not even sure she was ever really caught in that she was because she, she had the piece of rope still tied around her ankle where she cut oh, it. Oh, she did? Okay. Yeah. Well, good. And l- maybe that was a mass hallucination. No, I'm just that's, wh- that's why I was okay. wondering why, didn't, okay. why okay. didn't they believe her? She had the rope still tied around yeah. her ankle. Yeah. So if she had that, then who who set the trap? I mean, I it was probably the whispers, right? Or it could have just been a random trap. I don't know. That's like, That's what I don't understand. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, I think more to come would be my guess. Yeah, Somebody tell me if I, <laughs> yeah, to listeners, if you're screaming it into your earbuds. Yeah, right I can, now. I can almost hear them. I can almost mm-hmm. hear them yelling. <laughs> Duh. Okay. That was my number four too. Just not knowing what's real. So we're on your number three. Okay, great. Well, my number three is peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> so, <laughs> Negan and Aaron. Yes, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the pairing of Negan and and Aaron. I thought that line was funny. Of course, probably the one little time I've enjoyed Father Gabriel on screen as he's you yeah. know telling arguing with Negan. Negan doesn't want to go. Aaron, you know, he's like whatever. He's not really all for it. He's definitely not Team Negan or anything. Um, yeah, because he's like, you, what, "What do you? It's Aaron. He's a saint." And you look over at Aaron, and he's got this, yeah, like, nasty scowl on his face. And yeah, we know that tired. he's gotten more ruthless lately too. So it's like that was funny. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's hardened now. So yeah, he's got this different look. He does not look like the Saint Aaron that we saw no. however many seasons ago. And we ago. know, <laughs> like in that moment, I was thinking of when Aaron got beaten. So Severely by one of the saviors yeah and then i thought uh, and also more importantly uh, his boyfriend eric was killed mm-hmm. in the war so he's got a lot of reasons to hate negan yeah well he was there at the lineup too um yeah when, right when we yeah. lost you know glenn and um abraham abraham yeah, yeah. so so good point i i liked the pairing of those two wasn't sure that I would. I know a lot of people have their issues with Negan, and I I won't disagree with any of that. But I really enjoyed uh, having him back on the screen and 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 this new dynamic that we're getting. And I was kind of curious: is is his hesitancy to like leave? Like he's like, I'd just rather be here, you know, picking tomatoes and burying walkers, you know. And I'm like, 
do we really believe that? Is he just saying that? Because that's, he wants to seem like the good guy and that he's just going to do his thing and serve his time and do what he's told and doesn't want to be out there? Or is he, you know, what, what I think are his he's scared goals? because of what he was saying to Lydia last week about mm-hmm. in this environment of non-trusting, he doesn't want to be seen as the other, you know, and he can see that tensions are rising and people are trigger happy and everything. And he just doesn't want to risk his life by, and, and that's exactly kind of what happened, right? Yeah. Sending him off with Aaron is one of the worst people for him to do. So I think that's probably the reason why he didn't want to go out there. Right. Well, and he did say that he's like, look, it's, you know, tensions are high. People are pissed off. I go out, I go out of here and then, you know, something happens and then they decide to turn on me. So I believe that he does. I believe that. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. He's, he's, he is all about self-preservation after all, (laughs) for sure. I mean, it's interesting. Like I, this episode shook up my, thoughts about where he's coming from a little because I think it's pretty clear that he's he wants to be seen as being with them now and and I also don't think he's plotting some kind of plan or something but I think probably that's because you know he went out he escaped he realized oh well I'm all by myself out here and it's dangerous and that's no good. So he went back to the Alexandrians. And I think one option would be to go out and try to recruit more people and rebuild what he had before. But um, maybe that's too hard. But I was thinking maybe he just thought, oh, maybe the Alexandrians and Rick had a point that you don't have to be so brutal and uh, be a dictator to survive, you know, because he he thought that's what he had to do. But in this episode, he's telling Aaron, I did what I had to do back then. And he says, one truth that kept my people going, if you don't protect what belongs to you, then sooner or later it belongs to someone else. But he's telling that to Aaron as Aaron should have been the one to protect Eric or sooner or later it's going to belong to someone else. Well, actually he died, but you know, about their stuff, like protect your stuff or I'm going to come and take it. So when he's saying he did what was necessary, he's, he's coming from the view of the threat that's going to come take your stuff if you don't protect it. So is he still saying that it's necessary to be that kind of a threat? See, that's where I'm not, I'm confused. I would think at this point, maybe he would see the error of his ways a little, but he's still defending what he did. Yeah. He is still defending his actions. And so I'm like, okay, so you still think that it's required to be that way? Then why, why are you being so docile? And, and he is trying to be a good citizen. I mean, he's been there for six years, which is twice as long as the apocalypse had been going on when they first met him. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little confused now. I hope that, you know, there's a good coherent story with him because I'm a little confused about it now. Yeah, I, I think we'll just have to see how it plays out, especially after yeah. after they've had their interaction. And, you know, it, it is interesting to see Aaron now because he's, you know, he's always been able to, you know, kind of stand stand up on his own two feet. He's, he's you know, because he was the one that would kind of go out and search, you know, for people and survivors and, you know, also for, you know, food and things like that. So he's, he's always been really capable, but you can definitely tell that the change in him. And I... I you know, you can see where he's definitely less willing to take Negan's crap. And, and I don't know if it's just me. I think he's really starting to look a lot more like Rick physically and especially comic book Rick. 
you know, he's got the beard. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. I don't know. Is it the okay arm. to... Yeah, okay. I didn't know if it was okay yeah, to mention that. Okay, but yes, that, yeah. it, you know, the <laughs> arm. Um, so I, I really liked that. I liked the tension with them where you didn't quite know what Negan was going to do. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? And I don't... I didn't know because I think Negan didn't know what he was going to do, you know, um, in those moments. I mean, like, the moment where I thought he would actually be a threat to Aaron is when Aaron said something about his wife. Yeah. And I think if that zombie hadn't come along and basically saved Aaron, that Negan would have attacked and, well, they would have fought. You think so? Yeah, because he goes, are you going to, you want to say something to that? And Negan goes, yeah, I do. And then I think what he was going to say something with his fists. I mean, who knows? But I, he had a lot of opportunities to attack or try to get away. And even after Aaron went, was blinded and incapacitated, Negan actually protected him and stayed with him and saved him. So, But I think by that time he'd cooled off. You know, but I just think in that moment when you insult his wife, that's when, and and especially, you know, that he he failed her, that triggered him. (laughs) Yeah. But that's the only reason why I don't think, I still think that based on everything we've seen from Negan for the last year, he's trying to be a good citizen. I thought it was interesting whenever he, the last time that you see them and Aaron wakes up and it's the next day and he, you know, Negan's standing at the window, he's like, can you see me? And he's like, yeah. He goes, good. (laughs) It's <laughs> like oh shit! He's, he's got the uh, the crowbar like yeah. over his shoulder, almost like reminiscent right. of when he's when he would hold Lucille over his shoulder. And it well, was like, it's oh, also hell. like I'm fucking keeping this crowbar. Yeah, you bastard! I just saved your life, so that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that was a really um, he was really making a point there. So yeah. anyway, I, I really just enjoyed that whole interaction. Me too um, with them. So that was my number three. Yeah, it was cool, and and um. I wanted them to give Aaron more to do and this was great because it was it was just a good segment without it feeling like they're trying to force something in for Aaron. It was just really good to see those two actors together and everything. Yeah. Their chemistry and all that. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Um, we're three. on three. That was yes. mine too, Aaron and Negan. Oh, okay. Did you say everything? It seemed like there was a line in there. I liked that Negan compliments... Aaron's he goes his spiky arm fitting that's awesome putting that old stump to use because I think he's trying to um in his way even though it's rude uh to try to be friendly because they're about to go off together but it, he I also totally believe that he would think it was awesome I <laughs> because do of think, his bat yeah I, I also believe he would just genuinely that think hey that's pretty awesome there <laughs> when Aaron tripped him and yeah, he falls what are you down a twelve-year-old? Like, you just trip me? <laughs> what are you twelve? I, I yeah, so you know another thing with him is um, maybe he would change back more to his old self if he just had some territory to protect. Like it reminded it reminds me of dogs. Like here in the United States, I'm used to dogs barking when you go by their house. And when I went to India, there's lots of strays uh, just wandering around and they just look really sad and they don't bark at anybody. They just kind of have their head hung and or else they're just walking along, you know, and and they don't bother anybody. Um, But then when when I was in India, I walked by one place that happened to have a dog, which is really unusual. And he was barking like crazy. So just I felt like, oh, I guess when when they feel like they have a territory to to protect, that's when they get aggressive. So maybe there's something to that with Negan too he's got Mm -hmm. nothing now so he's just more docile 
He's a docile dog with no territory. Now that now that now that I'm sad, thinking about poor homeless street dogs. Yeah, I know um, that. Yeah, well, there's cows too. It's kind of cute, just walking around, wandering around town. Okay, what about number two? Um, my number two, I want to talk a little bit about some of the um rep- representation. Sorry, of PTSD that we we're getting. Um, we we touched on it a little bit. Um, but. Sadiq, we're getting, we, we saw some glimpses of that in the first um, episode in the premiere, um, but we're definitely getting to see more of that struggle of what he went through when he was captured uh, and then released by the Whispers. And I've, I've seen a little uh, online speculation rumors of him being either a mole or mm-hmm. that maybe he was made to participate in what happened to the people whose heads ended up on the pikes. I don't know that I really believe that, but I thought it was interesting during that flashback there when he was taking the glass out of Carol's arm and he has that flashback to Alpha and and when um, the people are being killed and Alpha looks at him and says, good, like she's, you know, I'm (laughs) like, like, what? Good job. (laughs) Yeah. Like what, what, what happened? Did did she do something? Her head. (laughs) <laughs> it's all innocent like when beta is like oh yeah, yeah. let's clean up he was, time um, he's busy yeah I, I was i was seeing all that too and i thought somebody said he's a traitor and and somebody said he helped with cutting off their heads or whatever and i was like no 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 and then the second time i watched i saw her say good i'm like oh maybe so i i don't think he's a traitor it's just the whole Enid spy thing all over again. Right. But, um, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. But I, yeah, now that just that one little moment makes me wonder exactly what she put him through. Because whenever he does have those uh, flashbacks, they're pretty vague and unclear. Mm-hmm. So it feels like there's something there that they're not showing that's going to be a shock. Right. Well, and I mean, I feel like what he went through was definitely enough to be feeling, right. to have PTSD. I feel like if, if you yeah. are you know captured by your enemy and you see everyone that you're with you know killed and beheaded and then their heads put on pikes and and they let you live to tell the tale i feel like that is plenty for him to be as you know feeling that ptsd that is completely valid and a terrible experience but i feel like if if to add to that that it was possible that she might have made him do something um, you know, and I, I'm sure that will that will come into play. And I certainly don't think that he's cured now. I know he had that nice little conversation um, with Dante there at the end, and I think that was really nice that you know he was able to kind of share an experience of what it's like, you know, coming back from the war, and you know what we see a lot of today with our soldiers coming home and really experiencing, you know, these terrible things after all the things that they've experienced or or either had done to them, they've had to witness um, or just go through um, from being in war. Um, I don't, I think it's nice that he's might be able to have someone to talk to about that now, but I certainly don't think he's cured. Yeah, he said he lost his squad in Fallujah, blamed himself, came back with the shakes, thousand Mm -hmm. mile stare, flashbacks. And I I liked how they did it where he said, yeah, I knew this guy. He was a total Adonis, broad shoulder, (laughs) broad shoulder. 
and he's like, oh, what happened to this guy? Oh, you're having to drink with him. Wait, Adonis, look at Kat. God of beauty, baby. I'm just being humble. And then Sadiq had a really good laugh, which even before all this PTSD stuff, he, he seemed a little overly serious to me. And uh, yeah. I, so it was it felt good to see that character laugh. And I just felt more connected to him probably in that moment than I have at most times in the series so far. Mm-hmm. And that's good because I, I always liked him, but I want more uh just to him to be a fuller character and i think this season we're, we're getting that so yeah i agree i like that moment a lot and it made me like dante more too yeah because he didn't start out so well i think he seemed kind of interesting but yeah. yeah a little douchey i thought but not yeah, i didn't hate okay. him i thought oh, you're a little bit douchey but i, I do like how he, he said himself we do need all kinds <laughs> but um but i think they're doing a really great job anyway of you know kind of representing that and it totally makes sense when you think of everything that you know, everybody has been through since the beginning, you know, of the apocalypse of people that you've lost, the things that you've had to do to survive, you know, it seems like so many other people have had to kind of cross over into the dark side a little bit to, you know, to continue to survive or protect their families or their people or, you know, themselves. Um, so that's pretty damn traumatic. And, you know, and I think Carol, too, is also kind of wavering on that, too. Um, mm-hmm. But so I think they're doing a really great job, and I think it totally makes sense. I think we've seen little pieces of it throughout the series. You know, you see Rick go through some stuff, especially after the confrontation with, the with Negan, and yeah, the well, phone uh, lose, yeah. losing Lori, the phone, and yeah. the the after Negan, you know, killed Glenn and Abraham, he really just kind of went through this little oh, bit yeah. of a thing again, and um, kind of really changed his personality and changed his behavior. And um, but I think they're they're doing a really good good job with that but i'm, I'm i want to see a little more about what what really happened and, and what will come we come will yeah i'm sure we will yeah so that's my number yeah. two okay mine is what is the whispers angle oh i guess we already yeah talked about that um let's see i well first off i was a little critical of michonne for just not letting her kill alpha mm-hmm. and I'm like why didn't she just let her do it but later she tells carol there's there were seven of us out there i had to think of them so i guess she thought if carol killed alpha then the other whispers who all had weapons would have killed all of them so i guess that makes sense and yeah that i already talked it all out just what 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 i think why don't they just kill them all why don't they just take all the territory that they want Mm -hmm. and the only thing i can think of is that they want to keep an enemy for to keep all their followers sharp and everything yeah that's true i agree okay what's what's your number one my number one uh is carol and we've talked a lot about her already um the only other things that i have to add is you know is she's now she's got another struggle to go through we we kind of saw that already after she left ezekiel after they lost henry but you know she's never really processed a lot of the things that she's went through and we've seen her kind of escape before we, we saw her come back in the premiere she's been on a boat you know she hasn't been with the group you know since um well for a while and she just kind of stops in and then keeps going out on this boat so she's got this uh way she doesn't really deal she just kind of escapes and leaves mm-hmm. um yeah then, she left by herself before and then yeah stayed on the edge of uh, the kingdom and yep there was that time morgan chased after her and stuff yeah yeah, so she's got a habit of doing this, and she's just kind of running away instead of kind of you know dealing with it. And she, and I guess maybe being back, you know, with everyone again, she's kind of probably going through a lot of what Sadiq is going through. She's 
I think I think mm-hmm. also having some PTSD uh, over that as well. And then of course whatever drug that she's taking, it's some kind of upper, some speed or something. Um, I know she says, oh, it's just like having a cup of coffee. It's I'm like sure. coffee. It's like coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it's Adderall. The the two yeah. big ones like that are modafinil and and Adderall. But I think it's Adderall, especially because she so said too. to fake uh, Daryl, I'm not a meth snorting trucker like your dad. And meth meth is a, is it's an amphetamine, methamphetamine. Mm-hmm. Adderall is not methamphetamine, but it is an amphetamine. It has two different forms of amphetamines. Mm-hmm. And um, they're both uh, have similar chemical structures and they cause the same general effects on the body, increasing the heart rate and making someone feel more alert. Meth is more addictive, but Adderall can be addictive too. Mm-hmm. And I actually um, was prescribed Adderall a couple of years ago for a while because I just, when I was in my job before I quit to just do podcasting, I could not focus on it. And really it was because I hated the job, but mm-hmm. I thought maybe if I took, because Adderall is prescribed for um, ADHD, yep. adult attention deficit disorder right and uh or something like that and uh i i tried it and it definitely let me stay up all night long if i wanted oh gosh (laughs) um and just feel focused but um then it made me feel after a while kind of uh short-tempered and i started getting really snappy at the kids and everything and i'm like nah that's not worth it so was it because you weren't sleeping laps no it was really it was really the drug i can tell it just made me feel yeah because even when i don't sleep i don't get like that so um anyway i don't know why i'm telling you that because it doesn't she wasn't really getting snappy at people but i didn't hallucinate i mean i slept enough so that i didn't have any hallucinates yeah i guess so yeah she got got snappy (laughs) that's true but uh, anyway, I, I would guess that's what it is, but I guess it doesn't really matter. I mean, I think the hallucinations are probably more about, yeah, just not getting any sleep for several days straight. Well, I, yeah, this I, I feel like this episode was definitely like a PSA for, hey, folks, let's get our eight hours every night. <laughs> because... Yeah, it's important. <laughs> look, look, look what happens when you're sleep deprived. Um, uh-huh. And then you, you, you yeah, sleep was a big drugs. part of this episode. I like the twice when you go see Judith and she says it's not smart to sleep unless it's safe. Is it safe? And we're like, well, and RJ <laughs> was sleeping for three days. Apparently, (laughs) (laughs) he's sleeping for everyone. (laughs) It looks like it almost seems like as if Judith was staying awake, too. Like, even though she wasn't fighting, she she was awake the entire time. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but it just kind of like what it implies when you see him at the beginning of the episode when it still wasn't safe. Michonne had to leave them and then she comes in at the end and then they lay down on the bed and like, oh, look, RJ's still asleep. Um, But anyway... I think this was definitely a buildup for something to come as well um, with with Carol and her behavior, uh, not just the PTSD. I don't know if she'll continue. I mean, I don't know. There doesn't seem to be. I mean, there's not an endless supply of drugs anymore. I mean, eventually you're going to yeah. run out. You're not going to be able to find them. And, stash. Yeah, I don't know where she got the stash mm-hmm. or, or whatever, but I feel like eventually it's going to run out. But I, I feel like there's still a behavior change here that, you know, she's because she's not dealing with her grief, it's going to be coming out. If you could find the Adderall factory, you could have a lifetime supply. Probably. I know. I don't know why people aren't aren't like feed it to the zombies. Raiding like Pfizer and and Merrill and you know all these. They probably are. No, I would. <laughs> um, what the hell else are you going to do? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's I mean, yeah, you know, we think about things running out, but 
if the zombie apocalypse went down pretty quickly, uh, is there's a chance that you could find a shitload of stuff somewhere that didn't get used, you know? Yeah. Like ammunition or drugs or whatever. <laughs> yeah, if you knew where they were located. So more more with Carol. I, like I said, I think there's a little bit of buildup here that's going to like continue affecting the story, affecting the characters and the people around her. And I just think it's interesting how some of the you know roles have changed. When we had uh, the lineup with Negan, you know, Michonne was there, um, and she's kind of taken on here in the season the role of like what Rick did in trying to protect the people. You know how he was, you know, like what well, we have to do what Negan says. We've got, to, you know, we've got to do this. We've got to follow all of these rules. And, oh yeah, I see. You know, yeah, so with I see, Alpha, yeah. yeah. So now Michonne is kind of taking that on. She's trying to protect mm-hmm. her people, and she's trying to keep Carol calm. Right, and she was the one who was kind of critical of. Uh, Rick for not fighting back with Negan but it was a little different because Negan was coming in and fucking with them and Alpha's more like just don't cross this line so that's not quite as bad if it stayed like that Mm -hmm. you know but then Carol was not at that lineup with Negan she was not there when Glenn and Abraham died she wasn't there and so she didn't I don't think had the same fear and then she also can when confronting alpha you know she's like I you know she's like you should fear me and she's like I don't I don't you know I don't feel anything you know yeah. for you well she's and also just a badass I mean Carol is just a badass their people got their heads put on spikes so that including her son so you know some people would be afraid of that I think that is why everyone else is afraid of them but not her Right. Well, she's Carol like, is... I got nothing left to lose for one thing. Oh, absolutely. And I think I think she's right. I think she doesn't feel anything um, I, except for she feels anger. vengeance. I, I think that was. Yeah, I think she's yeah. got a need for some vengeance. And, and I think yeah. that's probably gotta, what, what have, you know, a lot of bitch it has to die. Well, and she definitely doesn't know what it's like to to bend like some of them bent whenever Negan um, made them kneel. Carol didn't kneel. And when off Alpha's like, you know, you can go and this one um, lowers her eyes to my feet. And Carol wasn't having any of it, and it was such a badass moment. I totally loved it, but I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna cause some tension uh, within <laughs> within the group. So, anyway, like I said, I think we talked a lot about Carol already. Those were just a few other um, few moments that I had wanted to mention. That was my number one. My number one was Carol too, and on the book cover, she sees that whole picturesque kind of domestic thing, except it's you know horrible version mm-hmm. of it. And I just think that's a really interesting choice because Carol's identity was all tied up in being this housewife mm-hmm. who tried to just be unassuming. And then when she, uh, when her abusive husband died, she became a badass, but she still used that image a lot of the time to fool people so they wouldn't, uh, they would underestimate her and things like yeah. that. But even uh, she's hallucinating Daryl cooking in the kitchen. And I'm like, does Daryl and her live together? And then <laughs> as soon as the money, the money came out, I'm like, oh, no, that's because as soon as you see money, it's like, nope, this isn't real. But it was an interesting hallucination because it's like, oh, is this what she really wants? Or is this just because it is, it was a part of her identity? I mean, it's dream logic, so you don't really know for sure. But her identity is tied up in that kind of a domestic thing you know domestic tranquility and and then i loved when michonne asked her uh 
if you're having bad dreams and she's, or she says being back here hurts and Michonne says bad dreams and she goes, nope, good ones. And she didn't even need to say anything else because I knew, oh yeah, if you're here having dreams about your, your kids who are gone and they're good dreams, you're going to wake up and feel like shit because <laughs> it's all gone or dreaming about things that you want, but can't have that hurts. Yeah, totally. So that, was, that was a good yeah poignant moment there yeah and a big moment for lots of folks who've always dreamt of having daryl cooking breakfast for them when they come downstairs in the morning (laughs) right i guess i should have known right away i did i was like is this real (laughs) (laughs) it's not a squirrel in there so i'm not so sure (laughs) or a rabbit skinned rabbit (laughs) right okay any notes um couple of notes that we haven't talked about already. There were a couple callbacks from this episode that reminded me of some other episodes. So when they're killing the walkers through the gates there at Alexandria, as the, the, the waves keep coming in and you can see them on the edge and they're just, you know, they're driving stakes through their heads or knives or whatever um, to keep mm-hmm. them back and, and to, um, you know, storming the walls. Remind me a lot of season three. Um, when they were at the prison yeah. uh, or maybe sorry it was maybe it was season four shoot um whenever um you know they're they've been mm-hmm. established at the prison but all the walkers keep coming and and they're having to you know to keep them from go to the wall and poke through yeah it. and just kind of keep keep mm-hmm. the the horde manageable as as more and more walkers are being drawn to the prison so i thought that was a, a, a nice little callback um from season six episode 15 when Carol hides the weapon from the saviors that she killed while she was on the road. This is when she was another time when she was kind of escaping and going out on her own when she left Alexandria and she comes across those saviors and she has that hidden weapon uh, reminded me of, you know, this episode when she also had the hidden weapon uh, when she almost killed Alpha, she had that gun uh, behind her back that she pulled out and nearly killed Alpha with. So that I thought that was a, a fun little callback. You got to watch Carol and her hidden weapons. Someone better start patting her down. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I remember when she had the like gun in her sleeve that would just pop out. Yeah. That was episode 15. Is that yeah, what you're talking about? Episode 15. Oh, okay, she okay, had it. Yeah. She had that like really long jacket and the gun um, kind of automatic weapon that she had. Um, I thought we, I, I've talked a little bit about the lineup from, with Negan when our folks were all knelt in front of Negan there in that clearing. Um, I thought that. There was a lot of similarity between that and when they were at the border with Alpha and the Whispers. Um, and and Alpha is scary as hell. I, you talked about it on the podcast and you talked about it in Atlanta when you had your panel with the Whispers, which I'm sure you'll talk more about, um, you know, about how Samantha Morton is doing such a great job as Alpha and how so many folks and I agree that she's like the scariest, to me, villain that we've had so far. Well, I now I want to know why she doesn't just kill all of them because it seems like she can. And I, I feel like there needs to be a good answer to that. Otherwise, she seems less scary to me. But yeah, I know a lot of people think that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think she's a great villain. I, th- I think she's awesome. She's a great villain. She plays it really well. And then just a little note about Eugene getting his heart broken. Rosita really broke his heart and really kind of dashed his hopes. But you know, I, I sat there and I thought, you're with Father Gabriel, and I have no clue why. But considering that she is with Father Gabriel, it doesn't seem like Eugene's hopes are really that far-fetched. Like, what? <laughs> how can you be with Father Gabriel and think that Eugene is so terrible? Uh, you know, it's just, uh, maybe it's the chemistry thing. She, he's just not, she's not into yeah, him. Yeah, just, totally just fine. doesn't like him but, that um, way. Yeah. I don't know, just from my perspective, I just, like, you know, I don't know. I really felt bad for Eugene there. I mean... I always go back to the scenes where she would 
she went to father Gabriel to tell him that she was going to kill Negan. And they just had a real deep connection in a couple of scenes there. So if not for that, then I think I would be more like, what? I don't get it. But I, I still, I, I get it though. I mean, I, I mean, I, I understand why you might not think that they make a very good couple, but either way, I also understand why somebody wouldn't want to be Eugene's girlfriend. <laughs> he's, he's definitely, I wouldn't, well, it's, it would be a challenge for sure. I bet you know what yeah. there's someone for everyone I firmly believe that right. there's someone for everyone yeah he just, and so hopefully Eugene can go find his somewhere yeah, else he, he just needs to find <laughs> he needs to get off of you know Rosita's coattails and go find someone else I liked that whole little storyline in this episode even though it totally didn't really match up with the other stuff and also people don't like The Walking Dead to seem like a, a soap opera but to me, uh, it kind of ended that, I, at least I hope, because Ro- Rosita said very clearly, it's never going to happen, Eugene. And it seemed like he got mm-hmm. it. And I also thought it was really nice, just a subtle couple little things where she obviously still considers him a really good friend. And, and tre- like she got mad when she thought he was saying that their friendship meant nothing. And he, he even said something like, oh, I feel so bad because my whole thing about you so far has been being around you in the hopes that what was it we would be rezoned to love town or something <laughs> like that and and what kind of a friend am i for that you know it's like he's feeling guilty and to me both of those things mean that they do have a deeper friendship that is platonic but it's real and so hopefully you know they'll just go with that now because i think that's nice you know it's like you know people can be friends and not men and women can be friends and not have to be a a couple and and it it is that storyline could get old if it goes on longer so i kind of hope that is the end of it as far as eugene wanting to be with rosita yeah it seemed pretty final so i i think you are right and then as far as gabriel wanting rosita to stay home and saying she's the only person that can feed the baby i i felt like I was kind of mad at Rosita for not staying home too. But then on the other hand, all the parents on the show put themselves in danger because it's, it's a necessity. So I thought, am I being sexist or unreasonable? I don't know. What do you think about that? (laughs) What do I think about that? I think that if you are able to fight, you're a skilled fighter, parent or not male or female or not, um, you know, it's a it's a call to arms, at least in that situation when they have when they have that mm-hmm. a threat that large. Now, if it's if it's if you don't have to go out, then then yeah, you you got to have people there to help take care of your kids, and you do have to kind of think of your kids and and leaving them behind. But it is a different world than like what it is today. I mean, he said she's the only person that can feed the baby. So oh, that's uh, if they bullshit. don't have any. How did Judah survive? Judah, Lori the, died. They had formula. Yeah, yeah they went out and so, got formula. So I guess they could try that but it is six years later <laughs> well you know so. there are there i mean we haven't seen a lot of other babies or or you know in the show and people having babies and being pregnant or whatever but you know in yeah, you know Earl medieval times there were wet nurses you know you can you know if there's a, a current breastfeeding mother she can breastfeed the baby but if gabriel's yeah. right that Rosita's the only person that can feed the baby then how do you feel about it if he's right I think he need, uh, I don't like that statement. That's about as nice a thing as I can say. No, no. But I'm saying what oh. if it's right? Like what, what if, if there's no formula and there's oh. no wet nurses? 
then I guess you have to. Then I don't see that she would even have went out to fight and 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 even risk herself. So you don't herself. think she should? I mean, if it's if you, if you are truly the only person that can feed your baby, there are no wet nurses. There are there. There's no other options. Then yeah, you should stay home. Because that's what his argument was. But yeah, I mean, who knows? If I don't. That's I just don't true. believe that that's the see only it option. Not being true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Carol's storyline kind of reminded me of Man of Medan, the game uh, Reem and I played the co-op version of it a while back. I'm not going to say why because I don't want to spoil it. But oh yes, yep, I got yeah. it. Yep, don't you don't okay. say anymore. Yeah, yeah. It took me a so second. if yeah if if, if this is a cool, pretty cool game and uh, I recommend playing it if you like horror games, it's fun. Um, what else? I guess that's all. That's everything. Got any more notes? Nope, that's it for me. Okay, cool. We'll take a little break. There is more to come. Stay with us. Oh no, here we go. Party in a pill. We're going to eat until shadows look real. No more straws or baggage anymore. It's easier now. Go to the top of the score. Been up for two days, but I still want more. Waking up as a stranger's bathroom floor. So put your pills up in the air and pop them things, man. Don't be scared. I got pattern in a pill. I got my prescription pill. I'm telling y'all it's called that wrong. Keeps you up at least a day. No matter. Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. The people he kills get up and kill. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Deadcast news update. <laughs> it never gets old. <laughs> um, <laughs> couple of items this week in the news. First one is from Entertainment Weekly. This comes from an interview with Angela Kang. Um, first question, they say, let's talk about the meeting at the border. Alpha says it's all about rules being followed, and that's why she's taking their land. But I get the sense she's toying with them a bit and, jo- and enjoying keeping them off balance. What is her headspace as she goes in there and messes with Michonne, Daryl, and most of all, Carol? So Angela King says, Alpha enjoys a little bit of cat and mouse action, and I think part of what Alpha is good at is she can spot weaknesses and poke at them. One of the things that I really love is how Alpha has this weird zen quality, and that's part of the cult leader thing where she actually like she's above death and none of it phases her even when carol takes the shot alpha got to her she got to carol carol can be a pretty cool cat too and just the fact that she just got right under her skin in the spot that she knows that she can dig and dig and dig and dig at that scar with henry the shot is taken and she just stands there and is like cool you took a shot and that's all part of the game but alpha also thinks she has to have a show of strength here especially with beta thinking has she lost her chops as a leader it's like part of all of this is a show for her people, too. It's one of the things that we had in the back of our mind is the fact that people can take a shot at her, that she is a strong leader at the border, that she is taking action and putting consequences on these people while still not involving her people in a war. At this moment, that makes her a strong leader for her side, as well as being a worthy antagonist for our group. But she just but she just keeps everybody off guard. Hmm. That sort of goes along yeah, with what I was theorizing, that mm-hmm. maybe a lot of what she's doing is just for her own people. Yep. Makes sense. To, to see see her as a strong person. Yep. Next question. Um, so they ask, we have a big Negan outing here, and it's with Aaron. Why pair him up with Aaron? Kang says, we always like matchups that are new and unexpected, and we really haven't had these two together. And yet Aaron carries the pain of his loss from losing Eric in the battle when they were trying to take out one of the savior outposts. That was the love of his life. We'll see that he still thinks about Eric all the time. And Aaron, who's such a gentle character, even gentle, kind, giving 
forgiving people can have those people that just bring out anger and some of the worst feelings and instincts in them. We just thought that was interesting for Aaron's character to show a different side of him. It was this odd dynamic of the nice guy really going a little dark and Negan calling him on it. And by the end, they come to this very odd, uneasy state of understanding or partnership. Whether or not that lasts, we'll see what happens next. And I hope people will watch. But I love when those two get on screen together. I think they're really compelling together. I'm not going to watch. Yeah, I don't know. I'm on the fence. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Yep, so that was it for that part. There's um, an interview at 2fab.com. That was an interview with Ross Marquand, who plays Aaron. Um, They ask him, how does it feel for you to play a more badass version of the character this season? Um, He says, I love it. I think it was a long time coming. I think it made sense that it took as long as it did because he's always been such a sweet, diplomatic, nice guy. I think the gloves finally... Uh, came off last year. I think with the loss of Eric and Jesus and Tara and Enid, everyone he's loved over the years, to lose his friends in such a senseless and violent way in so many cases, I think his nice guy demeanor has been tested to the limit and now he's just a man of action. And I love that because I think everyone has their breaking point. And I think while Aaron would love to maintain the diplomacy he's had for so many years, he's realizing now that just that won't work anymore. And the only way to reason with the whispers, if you want to call it that, is to meet them uh, head on with violence. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you, know, you read that because I forgot. I mean, I was like, why now? He lost Eric so long ago, but he lost Jesus recently mm-hmm. and Taryn Enid recently too. So that was just three people in a row there. Yep, sure was. Yeah, it makes sense. So then the next question tonight, we see the evolution of the relationship with Negan. Obviously, it starts out thorny, but the two characters kind of come to an understanding at the end. Can you talk about how that relationship might evolve? He says, yeah, I think it's an understanding, but not much more than that. I think he's still very aware that Negan is the same man who killed uh, many of his friends, unnecessarily so, and just ensnared all of these people into this very horribly violent Ponzi scheme, almost. He's been a nefarious character the entire time he's known him. Uh, One good deed does not reverse all of the terrible things he's done, and it's going to take a lot more than killing a few walkers to save Aaron to change uh, his mind. Good. Yeah, (laughs) he's not letting (laughs) him off that easy. (laughs) Um, the next item that we have is from amc.com. This was an interview with um, Avi Nash, who plays Sadiq. Um, so the first question is, Sadiq is dealing with PTSD from Alpha's attack last season. What did her horrific display of power do to him mentally? He says he's dealing with a lot. There are a lot of layers to this. There's the fact that he's the only witness to what Alpha is really capable of. So he's got a responsibility to share that knowledge with everyone else and help them prepare for the war that they are now entering. He's also got a lot of survivor's guilt. He doesn't know why she let him go, and he feels he should have died there in the barn. The scary part about PTSD is that your memories can restart at any time. At any given moment, he can hear something or smell something that takes him right back into the barn. There's also a lot of shame attached because he doesn't want everyone to know that it's affected him as it has. He's dealing with a lot, and it's really terrifying, and it's difficult uh, for him. And they ask, what's the dynamic between Sadiq and Dante? He says this would be amazing for him because he would have a compatriot, a brother in arms and a best friend in Dante. Sadiq hopes that he can get past all his PTSD to give Dante the chance that he deserves. He can't quite let Dante in yet because he's not ready to, to let someone uh, help him carry the burden. I think he's also a little bit reserved because he does remember Enid and fostering that relationship of two people in the trenches together. And then look what happened. He doesn't want to get too close to anyone right now. And one last article. Um, This is from CBR.com. So this is really fun. So we've talked a little bit about um, being at Walker Stalker 
this last weekend and we saw a panel. I know I saw a panel. Sorry. Um, I, know, I think you saw part of it was uh, a panel that was done with Tony Moore. And I heard him talk about this just a little bit. So one of the key characters of AMC's Walking Dead is Norman Reedus, who plays Daryl Dixon. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah and Tony Moore, by the way, is the original artist of the Walking Dead comic who drew the first, I think, six issues and then did covers for several issues after that. And then before Charlie Adlard came on. Right. So what sets Daryl apart from one of the or from many of the other characters um, on the post-apocalyptic television drama is he does not originate from the original Walking Dead comics. As you said, uh, Tony Moore, being the original artist behind the image comic series um, that inspired the TV show, has now drawn what Daryl may have looked like had he been the one who created him. I wish I could see that. I'll I'll send it to you. Yeah, he said somebody asked him to draw a picture of what he would have drawn as Daryl. And he said he was trying to do it in the same way that he did the other characters, like not just draw Norman Reedus, but because the other characters in the comic don't look like their actor counterparts exactly, but just draw Mm -hmm. what he would. So he tried to take the nugget of what Daryl was like, what kind of a character he was and and think how he would have drawn that. And I didn't realize that that character, that the art was actually out online. So yeah, I'm looking forward to checking it out. Yep. I'll send it to you here in a few minutes after we're done. But, um, (laughs) He does say he put it on his Instagram. So I'll and I can put this on the the Facebook page if folks want me to post it. Um, but you can feel free to go out there if you don't follow Tony Moore to go check out his Instagram. Um, he, he posted it on his Instagram and the caption he put on here was he says a fan commissioned me to draw Daryl Dixon, but as if I had created him before the show. Um, it was a weird thing to, to try and divorce the character from the actor, but I tried to bolt down the abstract concepts of Daryl and rebuild him from there. I had fun, and this is what I came up with. So I, I don't know that I can give a very accurate description of that, um, but feel free to go check that out on Tony Moore's Instagram. And then um, I will, if folks want it, I will post it on the Facebook page. And okay, so speaking of... Uh, no. Okay. No, it's not <laughs> so the end not, of the news. <laughs> because uh, I wanted to, yeah, just talk a little bit about Walker Stalker because uh, we just got back from Walker Stalker Atlanta. That's their flagship convention where we had like, I don't know, 50 actors from The Walking Dead or something, maybe somewhere in there, 30, 50, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, huge. And um, I got to do, I only did two panels. I did one with Melissa Hutchison and Dave Finoy, and that was awesome because my very first panel at Walker Stalker in 2013 was with Melissa, and Dave was supposed to be there, but they had a flight mix-up, so it was just Melissa. And they, by the way, if you don't know, that's Clementine and Lee from the Walking Dead games, and so I got to realize that dream finally and mm-hmm. Melissa of course you guys know she's a good friend now and comes on the podcast sometimes but Dave is also just a really nice cool guy and it was so great to have Clementine and Lee there yeah that was a really good panel yeah it was really fun oh I'm looking at this Daryl thing now he looks like such a hick oh have you got it <laughs> he's got a missing just, teeth yeah I was getting ready <laughs> looks to pretty send awesome. it <laughs> mean <laughs> that's pretty cool I love it. Um, And then uh, the other panel I did was with, it was the Whispers panel with Cassidy McClincy, who plays Lydia, Thora Birch, who's Gamma, and Samantha Morton, who's Alpha. And it was Thora and Samantha's first con and maybe their first panel. I mean, I guess if it was their first con, it was their first panel. And Samantha's English, which I didn't even know. And uh, uh, my friend... um, 
Gray, who's in England, texted. He goes, yeah, I didn't know that either. But these days I just assume they're all English until I hear otherwise. (laughs) But (laughs) uh, that was freaking great because she's a very serious actor and she thinks really deeply about her roles and she's very principled and um, she's really super nice. But she did have some of that alpha intensity anyway, I thought. And uh, she really gave well thought out answers and she was really kind. And I I was going to wrap the panel up when it was time but she insisted that we uh, go ahead and let all the other people who were in line mm-hmm. answer, uh, ask their questions and I'm like hey you're the alpha you can do whatever you want yep you're cool <laughs> um, and Thora I mean she starred in my favorite movie ever American Beauty so I made sure to fanboy out about that a little bit and I don't know those were two highlights and then the other highlight for me of course was doing our our meetup which we always do on Saturday night with all the Zed heads who show up and by this time they've gotten to just be really good friends so that was super fun so what about you what were your highlights any just like a couple well the whisper panel was amazing I was really excited to see Samantha Morton as Alpha because I think she's a really great actress I really love what she does and so it was really she she spoke really well. I love a lot of the things that she had to say. So that was great. The Melissa um, Hutchison panel with, with David Fenoy was really great as well. Got to meet Greg Nic- Nicotero after all these years. It's like, I, it was just like, I'll, I'll catch him at the next one. I'll catch him at the next one. And I thought, you know what? It's probably going to be a really good time to make sure I meet him this this time. You just never know. So I, I made that effort um, with some of our other Zeds. I don't know. Is it okay to name names here? I don't know. I don't want to out anyone, but you know, but we were all there and everyone knows who they were. We all decided to go as a group and we got to chat with Greg for a little while. He's so, so phenomenal in person. He was joking. We, we felt really bad he was sick and so we were like we feel we hope that you feel better um and but we're really hope that you made the effort to come out and he was joking about how um jeffrey dean morgan is the one that made him sick because jeffrey dean morgan was also um sick with the flu and um so he was talking about the text message exchanges that they had um going back and forth and he he pulled up his phone and was showing us the text message exchanges between him and jdm about um you know he's like hey you you made me sick. You're, you're an ass, you know, for doing that or whatever. And it was funny to see them, you know, joking back and forth about that. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it was really great. And then I got to meet, um, Pilau. I can't pronounce his last Asbeg name. Asbeg something. Yeah, something. It's terrible. <laughs> Who's Euron Greyjoy, right? Yeah, he played Yeah, Euron we had Greyjoy. some Game of Thrones people. Euron and uh, Theon. Theon Greyjoy was the there. Night King. The original Night King, yeah, was, was mm-hmm. there. So I got to meet the actor that played Euron Greyjoy. Oh my gosh, he was so funny and uh, really kind and generous. So that was super fun. Just highlights for me. And of course, just seeing um, my Zed family, anyone that's able to make it to one of those and we get to meet up and hang out and have fun is just always um, a joy for me. And that's the experience that I like to take away from those events. Shelly, I guess I'll name one name. Hopefully she won't mind. Got a great video from Pilu Mm -hmm. just talking about the Zed heads and Jason and Karen, who he has no idea who we are, but <laughs> pretended to. And then he gave her a bunch. I'll, I'll, uh, so I mentioned earlier, but we're going to do a call in show this week and we'll talk more in depth about Walker Stalker and more behind the scenes stuff. If you're interested and you're a Patreon uh, supporter, you can already get access. If you just want to hear this one, you could just do it for this month or something like that. But one thing, the last one thing I wanted to mention is, um, yeah, I mean, I had a great time at the con. I, I mostly in the panels. So the panels and the live stage stuff was great. And all the Zed heads said they had a good time too, but you might've heard that Walker stalkers had some financial troubles and, 
they've been doing a lot of, you know, trying to scale back some things and restructure and some people have left. And I heard that photo ops was particularly troubled at this con. So that was kind of a bummer, but, um, we had a really good time and I I mean, I, I probably shouldn't talk about this too much, but I'll just say, yeah, they've had some financial troubles. They probably needed to scale back sooner, but they're trying really hard right now to turn it around. And their goal always is to just make great cons that, you know, where you get to meet these celebs that you're fans of their stuff and have a great time and meet your friends that are all into this. And people still do like we all, we all had a really good time Mm -hmm. and it just kills me when people say that it's a scam or something like what kind of a scam would keep going and try to run a successful con after they were being called scammers. I don't, it's just ridiculous. And yeah. And, uh, it's it's hard. (laughs) The fact is that doing a con is hard and, you know, it's hard to recover too. And and he, James is really trying to recover from, uh, because walking dead viewership has gone down. So, you know, Mm -hmm. probably there were too many shows, but um, I, I give him credit for continuing to push to make it work after all this negativity uh, that's been happening. And um, I know if, you know, you your con was canceled and you're still owed money, that that's maddening. And I don't blame you for being mad for that. He's trying to turn the business around so that he can pay people back. And so people that just like say want him to call him a scammer and want it all to go away well nobody's gonna get paid back if, if, that if you go out of business nobody so, gets paid yeah <laughs> so that's just ridiculous and 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 i'm i mean i i under i do understand being mad if you're owed money absolutely so it's not a black and white issue it's no for sure like there's things to, to be mad about for sure but i'm really disappointed to see some people who i know have benefited greatly from walker stalker and seen firsthand the work that goes into it and, mm-hmm. and a lot of the positives of it and aren't owed any money but still taking public pot shots at the con and commenting on things they haven't had firsthand experience of i've seen some of that from people i know and i just think it sucks i think that's you know i mean not not classy at all i so i'll just say that I will just say that I, I agree with you and I feel like because and I'll talk more about it on our call in show because um, I know that we're going to talk about it there. But, you know, I saw some amazing experiences and I love getting to see people, um, you know, if I'm standing in line or if I'm just because I love to crowd watch and I'll walk around and I love seeing people when they get to meet the actor or talent, celebrity, whomever that is. And it doesn't even have to be the walking decks. They had people, like you said, from Game of Thrones and, you know, there are other um, folks representing other shows and such. So getting to see, you know, the excitement on those people's faces you see tears I, I would see girls walking out of you know photo ops and hold, they're holding their photo and they're you know having a, they've had a moment and to me that's what it's about and I try to just focus on that positivity because that's really I think what the what the goal is to make these experiences happen yeah. and, it, and it lifts it lifts me up to see people have these yeah, experiences it's really so great that's, now if that's you're stuck in a line and you paid for a photo and you didn't get it or uh in the and it didn't work out then yeah i mean like i said there's definitely there's some, some bad stuff to, to be mad about and they, Not, they're going through some transitional pains right now and i hope that they work it all out and can do a smooth con and that everyone who's owed any money gets paid back because i know that's that's the goal so i really hope that yeah that happens i want a good time for all and i hope that it gets i hope it gets back to you know to to those things so everybody can have a good time but it Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen overnight yeah yeah anyway 
<clears throat> yeah, and I'm not completely happy with them either, to be honest. But anyway, well, <laughs> all right. <again. laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm hoping. All right, that's it for the news. Let's get into listener moans, groans, and grunts. Uh, First listener response that we have comes from our good friend Paik Allen. He says, "Oh my God, what an incredible and perfect episode! The sheer horror was brilliant. Mixing the effects of sleep deprivation with PTSD or injury for different characters to see how it affects them. The moments between certain characters, Alpha and Carol, Aaron and Negan, Sadiq and Dante, that just had me holding my breath, fully invested more than I've ever been in a show in a long time. The intensity, the emotional beats, the madness it makes you feel while walking through." Carol's hallucinations with her. Fuck. Bravo, The Walking Dead. Bravo, Angela Kang. Hey, here, here, Pake. <laughs> nice. Well said. Alicia Stout says, Holy wow, what a ghostly episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you, The Walking Dead, for bringing the scary horror and suspense back to the show. Ah, that's totally out what I was thinking mm-hmm. as I was writing. I was like, Thank you, Walking Dead. Uh, the character of Alpha is truly, truly terrifying. Had to give some thought after lack week's podcast discussion of which villain is the scariest i'm starting to jump on the side of alpha there's something very wicked about her and very different from negan the governor and the termites samantha morton is phenomenal as alpha from the way she talks to the way she walks and even the way she cocks her head to the side almost as if she's truly wearing alpha's skin as the character yeah mm-hmm. i told samantha morton by the way uh, i was like I do this walking dead podcast and a lot of listeners say that alpha is the scariest and you could tell she, she was happy to hear that. She really? Did. She said, thank you. <laughs> she, 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 she really enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah. Um, next one's from Karen Farr. She says, loving this season, the walkers are super creepy and give a genuine scare. Is it weird that I actually like Negan? No, eh, nah. most people do. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie Abel says, I'm a mother. Lack of sleep is my baseline reality. Best line ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is a a really good line. Um, Definitely relatable for your mother. But I think that applies to dads, too. (laughs) I'm going to give it to the dads. dads, There's a lot of dads that pull a lot of that, um, you know, nighttime duty as well. So (laughs) definitely I can relate from the mother's side, but a lot of dads, too. Next one we have is from Alex Baelish. He says, as much as I love this episode, it was almost too creepy for me. The fact that they are going down down this rabbit hole with Carol put me on the edge of my seat. That book cover, I had nightmares all night. I hope this war will end at mid-season finale. Oh, poor Alex. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> you should watch Fear. Oh, so you Walking could go Dead. watch Fear. and then... He loves Fear the Walking Dead. That's right. <laughs> Just teasing Alex. He's the only one. <laughs> uh, Steve Barr says, I'm not 100% behind the execution, but overall, this is the kind of thing I was hoping for with the whispers. It's like a little Cold War with rising tensions, threats, brinksmanship, and skirmishes between two very different groups. Nice touch that the satellite crash has ongoing implications and people wanting to blame the whispers for everything, even when there's a better reason for the waves of zombies. So A for effort, at least. Carol's hallucinations were fun to watch. Was Gamma the whisperer who got shot by Carol and turned at the end? I, I think someone else thought that too, but I looked really closely and um, it was it was male. It was a man and it wasn't and he wasn't wearing the same clothes. So it wasn't, I don't mm-hmm. think it was Gamma and I'm glad because I want to see more from Gamma. And I also think that it was alpha who sent those uh, zombies and just wanted them to think it was the satellite, but we don't really know for sure, I guess. Yep. 
more to come is what I think. I think we'll we'll mm-hmm. find it out. But yeah, it's what I believe too. Next one we have is from Karen She. She says, that was one of my favorite cold opens ever with the title cards coming faster and faster to illustrate the onslaught of walkers. So well done. The scene at the border was chilling and intense AF. That's because Carol is just as unpredictable, unhinged, and ruthless as Alpha now. Half of me wants to yell at Carol for being so reckless, but the other half accepts her anger and need for vengeance. I loved how the show put us viewers in the characters' minds. That is, there were times that I didn't know if things were real or not. Did Carol actually get caught in that trap at the school? She really have that talk with Daryl? Who's the paranoid one now? Clever writing. Oh, and this was my favorite version of Negan. Cheeky and brazen, but useful and redemptive. I love him playing off of Aaron, who looks to finally be getting some interesting material again. I gotta say, though, I would believe that Eric was the love of his life if the show had them on screen more often. I bought his chemistry with Jesus more. Still Hmm. badass, take no prisoners, Aaron intrigues me. How was it like watching such a great episode at Walker Stalker Con, Jason and Rima? Well... I didn't get to see it, but I say Jason didn't get to see it at Walker's Locker Con, but I did, and it was great. Thank you for asking, Karen. Yeah, like uh, maybe she's right that Daryl, the Daryl and uh, Carol conversation actually did happen, but he was just fucking with her. He's like, my dad's not a truck driver. What are you talking about? What do you? I don't remember. Why would you say that? Why do you think that? Uh, Dana Thorpe Patterson says, I really, really need to see Carol cut her hair off in ceremonial preparation, do a haka, and go take crazy Alpha to task, just like she did the folks at Terminus, the saviors on the road, the female saviors in the building where she and Maggie were held, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, that's right. She kind of fucks their shit up most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe she'll do it again this time. We might see that. You just don't know. <laughs> Mofavo says, really hate saying this, but have to assume Alpha has a spy in Alexandria to know those specific border crossing details. Yeah. What did you think about that? How she knew they crossed over three times and even knew who was there. I mean, knew it was Michonne and Aaron and knew that they were there in the winter when it looked like the whispers were all like on their vacation. I don't think she has a spy in Alexandria. I just think that she has spies in her own her own group that people like hanging out even in the winter i mean yeah that i did have an issue with that i questioned that i thought well but they don't they live outside they live like animals they don't they don't seem to take shelter they just move to warmer climates um so where would these people hole up during the because that looked like a pretty darn serious winter um and very very cold so i don't know i did i did question that i'm not 100 percent sure but i really just don't want to believe that we have you know someone spying on the inside the winter one is what really makes me wonder because I could see yeah. them having lookouts and stuff for the other ones. Um, Heather Hildebrand says, I'm 100% on board with Sadiq being a spy and I'm starting to think his PTSD came from having to behead people for Alpha after he freaked out and was unable to make the incision to help Carol. All those flashbacks to a bloody blade. I wouldn't be at all be surprised if we see a flashback of Alpha saying, oh, I should let you live because you're a doctor. Well, cut off all their heads and agree to spy for me and I will. How else would the Whispers have known about them going into Whisper territory three times? They were out of town for the winter one of those times. Yeah, someone's always watching. Sadiq! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure, which is a great place to be. I, I, I yeah. always resist that kind of thing, uh, but now I'm like the characters. I don't know what's real and what's not. Yeah, we're all shaken up. <laughs> We're unhinged. <laughs> okay. Speaking of unhinged, let's move on to calls. The first one is from Greg Schwamm. 
Greg. Uh, with regard to Ghosts, the Walking Dead episode this week, uh, just a couple of kind of confusions, and maybe the intent is it's almost like that Inception movie, you don't know what's real and what's not. Um, so the last uh, the last thing where the, the walker that I'm assuming that Carol actually knows she saw when she was hanging upside down, when she had a trap set for her, like, I'm not sure how you imagine that. Uh, it obviously had a gunshot wound, and then I'm assuming it was bled out. Uh, so that was our indication that even though nobody else saw walkers or traps or whatever the case was, like, yep, that shit was actually happening, and that all, despite what Alpha and Gamma said, the walkers, or rather the whisperers, were the ones leading all the walkers to the to Alexandria. Uh, I, I guess. I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and watch it again, but I was a little bit, little bit confused, and I guess that was the intent, was to make you doubt Carol's sanity. That lack of sleep stuff, that's 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 no kidding, though. I remember driving at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning and had a, a phantom 18-wheeler try to merge into my lane, into my car, and I was immediately like, whoa, i got to get off here and get to sleep. All right, uh, look forward to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Talk to you later. Bye. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No sleep's no joke. Freaky. Yeah, I recommend staying up for 49 hours and then watching this episode again, and then you'll And then let's see. It. Yeah, then <laughs> we'll get some perspective. <laughs> and then our other call is from is a new, new caller, Sandy from Columbus, Ohio. Hi, this is Sandy from Columbus, Ohio, and Cindy. I've been listening to you guys for a really long time, but this is the first time I called. And I don't know if I made the deadline or not, but I just wanted to comment on the season so far. Um, so far, I have been overwhelmed, or underwhelmed, rather, by the season. Maybe I have PTSD from fear. I don't know, but I just, all the episodes <laughs> all so far just seem like set up for maybe the mid-season finale to me. I mean, there have been some good scenes, like I enjoyed the scene with uh, Carol and Daryl tonight. Um, or last night rather, and I, I enjoyed, um, the, I did enjoy the premiere, not so much last week's episode about the whispers, the alpha and beta episode, but so far, um, it, the season's been okay. I really do think Sadiq is experiencing, um, PTSD. I think he may be feeling guilty. Maybe it's survivor's guilt, but I'm having a feeling that something more is going on there that he's feeling guilty about. So since the writers seem to like flashback episodes, which is fine by me, I would really like to see um, a flashback episode or maybe more memories as to what happened that night that uh, Alpha and the Whispers kidnapped um, those people. Um, so anyway, uh, I like the show, <laughs> and uh, thank you for listening to me rant. And um, here's my zombie zone. <laughs> that's that's good we haven't oh had God. one in a while <laughs> yeah i like when people are like and uh, i just really like it and here's my zombie sound <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that was great <laughs> thanks cindy um yeah you know you just made me think of something like I, I forgot to mention but i thought it was cool to see matt lintz back on for an episode you know just in ghostly yeah. flashback whatever form and you're right if they do have flashbacks showing what happened with Sadiq then we'll probably get um Caitlin Nacon aka Enid and Mm -hmm. and Tara and that other girl with the glasses to come back yeah 
don't think cool. that's out of the question at all. All right, that is our show, episode 375. Thanks for listening, everyone. Oh, I forgot also, uh, welcome to the show, Rima. Welcome back. <laughs> I'm a little Thanks. late. <laughs> yeah. Welcome and on. goodbye. <laughs> yeah, and goodbye. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Did you watch Watchmen yet? No, I haven't First had one? time. Me neither. No, I was I w- I'm really curious. Prepping for the show, but I mean, it's, you know, Sun HBO is not going anywhere. I'll, yeah. you know, try and catch up this weekend if I can. It's good, some good buzz, I think. I, that's what I'm hearing, so I'm excited. I want to, mm-hmm. just haven't had time. All right. If you guys want to give us a call like Cindy did, you can call us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. Or you can email us at brains at podcastica.com. You can find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast. And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. And you guys on Strange Indeed just wrapped up Carnival Row, right? We did. And this week, Castle Rock Season 2 premieres, which I know was one of your favorites, Jason. <laughs> I'm it's so okay. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to hold you back and, and contain your excitement. Can I be on every episode? Yeah, of course you can. But, <laughs> no, it does look yeah. interesting. It does I, look intriguing. Yeah, it makes me want to at least watch the first episode because I loved Misery. So. I know. So yeah, that, that premieres um, this week on Wednesday, October 23rd. Well, that's tomorrow, I guess. Um, season 2. The, I think they're going to release the first three episodes and then week by week mm. after that so we'll start uh, our on coverage hulu? on that it is on hulu yep okay cool so, yeah. next episode of this podcast walking dead season 10 episode 4 silence the whispers interesting mm. title that might, sounds like carol's gonna go in and fuck it up hey i'm all about that <laughs> all right that's our show thanks for listening don't, don't get, get bit, bit terry collins, collins. <laughs> bye